0: Hello and welcome to Women on Women podcast, the podcast where we, woman women,
1: talk about
0: women. Perfect. My name's Sam Lucas. And my name is
1: Nicole Patton. And today
0: is a special episode because not only do we have a woman on this podcast, but for the first time ever, we have a man. A man.
1: Uh, Talon,
0: would you like to introduce yourself to our Women on Women listeners?
2: Um, hello, listeners. My name's Talon. I'm from Seattle and... <laughs> I'm a film major as well, and I'm just looking to talk and listen about film.
1: Yes, yeah, so this is another little uh, episode from our little Chicago series now that we have reunited once again. So Talon is someone who I met out here in Chicago, and we thought it would be fun to do an episode on a movie the three of us have recently watched. Black Swan. Yay. So Black Swan is a 2015 movie that stars Natalie Portman. It is directed by...
0: Darren Aronofsky.
1: Darren Aronofsky. And we thought it would be fun to have a little joint discussion about the film, especially because it does touch a lot of, like, I don't know, like, feminine aspects. It's directed by a man, but it's, like but it's, like, about, like, woman's ballet, and it's just, it's a great movie. It's very interesting to discuss, and I think we'll just be
0: having kind of, like, an open conversation about it. Yeah, with that being said, um, Talon, what was your introduction to Black Swan?
2: Well, I had just seen a couple other Darinovskis, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just thought it was, he was a really interesting director, and he made, like films with a lot of subtext, a lot of stuff to discuss, so just our talk about wanting to do something came around and we ended up watching it.
0: There we go. All right, well, should we just get into it? Well, I guess let's discuss the plot as best as we can. Um, So Black Swan is a movie about a girl whose name is Nina, and she's a ballerina for the New York Ballet. And basically, after the leading ballerina goes into retirement, played by Winona Ryder, um, Nina gets the chance to become the starring role in Swan Lake, which is the big ballet they're doing, and this kind of drives her into insanity, and just progressively her mental state gets worse as she tries to fully immerse herself into this role. That's pretty much it, in a nutshell, without giving too much away, um, yeah. Some prominent characters,
1: we have, uh, Toman, who is the dance instructor of the ballet company, he is court instructing, or the director of Black Swan, he's the one who casted it, and he's just an interesting guy that we will be talking about a lot throughout <laughs> this episode, also the her mother, Um, and Lily, which is played by Mila Kunis, and Beth, played by Winona Ryder. Okay, so (laughs) let's get into it. One of the first notes that I kind of saw throughout this movie was it's a lot of, like, women comparing themselves to other women. Like, Nina compares herself to such characters such as Beth and Lily. She wants to get to where they're at. At least in the beginning, the relationship with Lily kind of changes throughout the movie. But Beth, who is the who has always been the black swan, like she was always portrayed the black swan, um, danced as the black swan throughout the ballet company. However, it is announced that she is retiring, which therefore gives the role open. Like. There's an open position in the role. Obviously, all of the girls want that. Nina especially wants this. Also, Lily. She was asked to fly in to the New York Dance Company from San Francisco. And so, basically, she's kind of seen as this new girl who comes in, has had some serious training in uh, San Francisco. And it's kind of like, Nina kind of feels, like, threatened by her. Mm -hmm. But she also is, like holy shit this girl has so much confidence like I want that
0: I want to be her I mean it's not even necessarily like the competitiveness I think there's a lot of herself also in Lily that she's not able to like really access because she's so focused towards being the best in her art wherefore um, Lily can just be confident and good at ballet she doesn't have to just be one thing Mm -hmm. you know yeah I know that's very true
2: I thought it was interesting with like the the director how like what you were saying with the how there was always like this competitiveness between all the girls and like adding in the director to that, he was like the the orchestrator of the competitiveness. Yeah, for sure, and they were the all kinda of, it was like this weird, you know, wanting his validation for things like this made it an even weirder dynamic.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. The director I mean the guy's a dick. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is unbelievably like just horrible how he treats all of the dancers, and how he abuses him. This like the entire character is like a power character. Mm-hmm. He's got a power trip. My next note is that is is Nina following in like the past Black Swan's footsteps. So, the first time we see Beth, who is played by Winona Ryder, um, she is having a complete and utter meltdown in her dressing room. She is breaking things, screaming, throwing things at the mirror, and Nina just happens to, like, eavesdrop, oversee this. And as soon as she leaves, Nina goes into her room and steals her belongings, such as a knife, lipstick, and I forget the other one. But it was might have been nail clippers or something Mm -hmm. honestly just small little things and I believe this was in the point where we later find out that Beth was just told was just told by the director that she is going to have to like retire and she can no longer dance for the company and we see Nina intrigued by this and we also kind of see it's a foreshadowing definitely because we see what kind of mental state being the black swan in this dance company puts you in and what kind of mental state the director like puts you in when you
0: are in like the lead role. One of the things that really I I found super interesting about how competitiveness and how um, this like kind of cycle of abuse is shown is throughout the movie it starts off when um, the term my little princess is used by the director repeatedly in the movie and the first time that we see it is when he's like talking about winona ryder's character in that big party and he goes to my little princess and then she storms off and then later mila kunis and um, natalie portman's character are talking together when they're like doing molly and stuff and Mila Kunis is like, oh, just you wait. He's going to start calling you that, too. Um, And then the movie finally ends with Nina finally, like, completely leaving herself behind and completely abandoning herself to, like, fully become this role. And then as she's, like, literally dying or, like, on the verge of dying, he calls her his little princess. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, like, so interesting to just see how, like, just this pet name is used repeatedly um, to like signify how this like cycle of abuse continues through like this term of endearment.
1: And that is so true because after um, after the director called Beth my little princess, she stormed off. She was very mad. Later that night, she threw herself into traffic, like with the intent of getting killed. She just luckily she survived. But it's just so it's interesting. I didn't I didn't realize that comparison until now. How My Little Princess equals like
0: the death of mm. something, mm-hmm. or like just something that he uses to like trap his victims. Yeah, and it's it's like the last straw, sort of.
2: It kind of seems like I don't know. I mean, do you guys think that this is like a? It's like that dependency of like once you have gotten to that point where you've forgotten your old self and the old identity to be like in this weird codependent relationship with the directors to like succeed on one level with the ballet but also like not succeed in like being themselves and
0: yeah Yeah, and I think it's also like the fact that she didn't get that affirmation until Mm. she was fully able to like completely forget herself or like completely destroy herself
1: yeah and honestly it's kind of like a kind of Stockholm syndrome and type of way. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously no one's being kidnapped or held hostage, but in a way it is, it's weird. They, they, like the woman, they go through this abuse, one, because they're being manipulated by this man, two, because they want to be, well, as Nina says, she wants to be perfect at ballet. And she views that the only way that she can get perfect as ballet is that she does what other people before her
0: have done as perfect yeah I this is completely unrelated but it kind of works because we were talking about Winona Ryder's character and Mm -hmm. I just think her casting in this movie is so interesting to me and it's so so nice to I I just love her role in this so much Um, especially since this is the first movie that she was like, or bigger movie that she was cast in after her shoplifting scandal where she was basically like blacklisted from Hollywood. And I feel like this role that she's cast in like perfectly just kind of demonstrates her like relationship to Hollywood and how she was being treated and how she was being respected at the time. I think it's just like, so interesting that even though she was basically blacklisted and no one wanted her that they chose her for this role where she basically plays a version of herself where she's being like picked through and now since she's an older woman in the industry nobody really wants her and she's being kind of outcast for being you know difficult to work with or you know all that fun stuff that women have to face once they turn like the age of 40 and they're working in Hollywood and yeah, I just think it's, like, really interesting that they chose her for this role and that it kind of, like, perfectly fits her situation, and yet still it took, like, ten years after this movie for her to, like, actually...
1: Yeah, after Stranger Things come out. Yeah. That's when she, like, gained respect from the industry again.
0: Yeah. And I just think that's, like, super interesting that people, like, didn't even really realize it, and they were like, oh, writer. no writer.
1: It's definitely... No, because right before we watched the movie yesterday I was reading articles and I read that like an article that said the exact same thing like how Beth's character represents as like a visual representation of Winona writer's whole entire like acting career except in this time it was put
0: in with ballet. Um, I also think it's really interesting that there is a character that's like has kleptomaniac Traits or like steal stuff throughout the movie and it's not Winona Ryder's character But that person like actually is stealing from Winona Ryder. I just think it's a fun little Comparison.
2: It it, it definitely is met. I didn't even really think about that that much, but it is kind of meta in the way that like her She's getting outcasted for her age in real life, but then in this it's kind of a similar thing it's like she the, the director always would like be Praising like the youngness and like uh-huh. the like the the younger these ballet dancers looked, and the more like innocent and like that archetypal like you know virgin young woman that they talk about a lot, that is kind of like as they get older, it's becomes less important to the company
0: absolutely, and the
2: movie industry in the same way
1: exactly yeah literally I have one note that says. Why does Aronofsky think women get mad at each other that easily? <laughs> and, um, specifically, like there's been a lot of like points, but like it made me really write it down specifically when like Nina was like said like congrats to Veronica because like she fought Veronica got the role of the Swan, and then Veronica like stormed at her, accused her of playing like this sick joke. I just remember watching that and I was like.
0: This is so unrealistic. Mm, Nobody would react like that. Yeah, I have quite a bit notes of just, like, this movie being very male-gazy and, like, having, like, very obviously being directed by a man... Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, there's one note I said that says all that Nina does throughout this movie is ballet, hallucinate, and masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true though. Yeah. Um, um one line that I also wrote down since we're still on this topic of like women being compared to each other, um, and like following in the footsteps of women who have just been like through the cycle of abuse, is there's this one line where um the mom is talking to Nina and she just says, I just don't want you to make the same mistake that I did. Mm-hmm. Like, when referring to her wanting to be the best in ballet, she's just like, I don't want you to make the same mistake I did.
1: While... I, I feel that differently. Yeah. Oh, H- sorry. How you can did you feel that? No, like... no,
0: no. How did you feel um, that?
1: So, I kind of feel like Erica, Nina's mother, is basically trying to live the rest of her life through Nina because she was this ballet dancer and she always wanted to be at the top, but she never got to the top because she got pregnant and had Nina. So she kind of has this kind of like love-hate relationship with Nina. Obviously she loves her daughter, but she doesn't treat her very nice. She treats Nina, but Erica really hasn't emotionally developed since her ballet career ended when she got pregnant. She treats Nina, her grown daughter, early 20s, as a small child, as a Mm -hmm. 12-year-old. Her bedroom is decorated like a girl from elementary school. Um, It's definitely the psychological thing uh, Nina's mother has got going on. And she wants Nina to do this ballet. She has pushed her throughout this entire thing. She's try- She tries to celebrate with Nina after she gets casted as the swan. But it's also kind of this mixed feeling, like she wants to live the rest of her ballet career through Nina, but I also viewed it as, like, she also wants her to fail because it's kind of like an envious jealousy type of way. Mm-hmm. Because when she is so supposed to perform as the Black Swan... Like, um, the mom locks her and Nina in her room, she doesn't want her to go, it's kind of like, you can't achieve this success because it's something I never got to do and it was all I wanted.
0: Or same with, like, the kind of jealousy that she gets when she, like, um, when the mom, like, make like literally makes her a cake and then offers a piece of cake and Nina's like oh I don't want any and so she just throws the entire cake away Mm -hmm. instead of like having a piece or like saving it for later Mm -hmm. instead it's just this kind of competitiveness where she's like okay well you don't want it no one can fucking have it yeah like you don't even deserve it it's weird
2: yeah she has like an expectation for her to be like flawless and the same I mean it seems like a lot of these people around Nina like Mm -hmm expect her to be this like great thing and that's like part of her internal battle is like wanting to be herself but also wanting to be like a perfect ballet dancer which is impossible you know perfection in that way so like insane to believe that you can just be sitting in that you know like
0: (laughs) yeah no and like, same with even the cycle of abuse, how, like, how... Obviously, this woman probably faced the same exact thing that Nina's going through now. To, like, a much lesser yeah. extent, because she was never, like, as good as Nina was and has to make that known. But the fact that she's been through all of this before and wants to make it even worse for her.
1: I have a conspiracy theory about that. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, my conspiracy theory is that the mom... Um, was... I think this movie is a great, like, a good example about, like, vulnerable women, and just women in general, are taken advantage of are taken advantage of and abused in the, especially the ballet industry, um... And, obviously we know that her mom, Erica, went through that, and so my conspiracy theory is that Erica... Okay, so the dance instructor that we see of Nina, he is very weird. Like he specifically states he does not want any boundaries with him and Nina. He asks her very personal questions about like her love and sex life. And also kind of sexually abuses Nina throughout the film. Since this movie is full of patterns about the cycle of abuse with Erica, my conspiracy theory is that, well Nina's dad is unknown it's not mentioned throughout the entire movie i think that when erica was a ballet dancer she probably got pregnant by um her da- uh, dance director and then obviously her career stopped cuz her body changes when you get pregnant um she had the baby and then especially um erica kind of starts to freak out a bit more when she learns that nina's like been kind of close with like the dance instructor, especially when she learns that she's like sexually active, Erica freaks out, Um, and it could be kind of like this fear that Nina's following in her footsteps and gonna get pregnant, or it could even be like this fear that she's growing up and won't even be able to control herself, um, control her daughter anymore. But that's my conspiracy theory. That's a good one. I could see it, definitely. Do we want to talk about the dance director a little bit? Oh, actually, no. I just have a note, since we're on Mothers real quick. Okay. Yeah. What is it with Darren Aronofsky and Mothers?
0: (laughs) For real. (laughs) For real. This man has mommy issues. He does. Hey, that's fine. Um, Good for you.
2: I think that's uh one of many psychological issues
1: he's working through.
0: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Brew exposing it to other people.
2: Yeah, he's he's working through a lot through his stuff <laughs> no. we watch.
0: Yeah,
1: no, after seeing Wickham for Dream and then I've seen half of Mother, I was just watching this and I was like, damn, this guy's got some issues with mothers here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, he's not gonna make a, a finding Nemo
0: No um, most of my director's, like, the notes for the dance instructor slash director is literally, I have, like, stop assaulting her <laughs> <laughs> written down, like, so many times. Um, I think it's strange how the assault in this movie isn't as graphic as it could be, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's rare for a male director, rare. especially for Darren Aronofsky, like after seeing requiem for a dream there's that really intense rape scene but for this one all of the the sexual assault and abuse in this movie is way more psychologically charged than it is romantically charged um for the most part most that most of the stuff he does is like kiss her against her will or just like say creepy things to her which is still pretty bad But I don't know. I think it's interesting that Aronofsky just chose these small little ways to show how he's, like, inching her in even, like, deeper and, like, slowly doing things that are eventually going to build up to something even bigger. And how this is, like, a pattern that he's been doing with everyone.
2: Yeah. And he, he was just super manipulative in the way of, like, yeah like you said, it's much more psychological of a uh in my mind at least yeah how he it wasn't um and it was worse in the way that it fucked her up like entirely like you know like her perspective about herself and the things that she cared about and all those things were screwed because of this guy, and it really was like a lasting impact it seemed
0: yeah for sure, or even how realistic it is that for throughout like most of the movie. The only time when women are really able to talk about that and, like, talk about the assault that they face faced through this man, they're, like, either joking about it or they're tormenting each other with it. Yeah. Like, there's never a point when they're able to actually have a conversation and be like, okay, this happened and it's weird.
1: I think it's also weird.
0: Well, okay, so the
1: d- director, his whole entire character is a power character. He has power, he knows it, and he abuses these women with it. And when he makes these, like, advances on these women, well, he does this, and especially at the beginning, it's first shown when Nina goes up and asks him for the part of the black swan in which he assaults her, and when she fights back, defends herself, she bites him in the lip, I think he, he bleeds, she gets the part. And it's so weird, because, like, for him, like, some sort of sexualizing act or just thing was the only way to get, like, the lead part of this film. And it's very interesting. I don't know. That was just a note that I had, how, like, she got the part was so weird.
2: Yeah, no, I thought that was really interesting, too. Mm -hmm. I was, like, you know, that he looks at everything so, like, sexually. It's all, it's, like... A weird game to him Mm -hmm. you
0: know yeah even though it's like i don't know there's no part in the black swan ballet where the black swan fucks anyone and yet it's like so important to him that the black swan like has to be a good fucker (laughs) for like some reason Yeah. yeah it's just very representative of like so many men in the industry and just the way that women have to like adhere to abuse in order to succeed.
1: It's also written by three men. It is yeah, written by three men. That was
0: really, yeah, I have seen it, like,
1: <laughs> <what>? <laughs> Which is very odd, like, if you're gonna get, like, a, oh, I guess it's not odd to be, have a movie written by three men, but it's just, like, it's
0: such. It's weird it, to have this movie written by three men. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think, but I guess I understand how three men Could write this because I feel like if women wrote a movie like this, it probably wouldn't be as respected as it was at the time, especially since the subject matter is so feminine um, and ballet still seen as like a very feminine sport. Um, I just like would love to know like what we would have gotten more of or what we would have gotten less of if this movie had had a female behind the camera or even on the script. Yeah, no. If they had like that much of a writers' room
1: and open it up to a woman, and I do kind of want to talk about that later. But I do, I I have notes on that that I want to talk about later. But I want to talk about Nina a little bit more first. Okay. Nina, oh, poor poor girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> she is first of all a perfectionist, uh, and she lives out of fear, out of others. She, she has to be a perfectionist in her mind because it's out of fear of others' actions if she isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, if she isn't perfect, her mom's going to get mad. If she isn't perfect, the director's going to get mad and humiliate her in front of all these other people that she views as perfect. Um, she's also a character who has never lived for herself. Yeah. She's been controlled by her mother's dream of being a dancer her entire life, and by the d- director when she's finally given a chance to live her mother's dream. And when she, she kind of struggles this cause she learns that she needs control of her body and her mind to make sure that she is the perfect black swan but she doesn't know how to live. So when she does get that opportunity to go out and live like when she goes to the club with uh, Lily she doesn't really know what she's doing. And she like kind of makes poor choices went out in the real world because she's never been out by herself before mm-hmm. and she really has no idea what she's doing. So if hey, someone tells her to do something, she's gonna do it because she has to trust them. And later we find out that Lily may or may not have been like the best genuine friend to her.
2: I was just thinking that like just as you were saying that, like Nina really it seemed like Nina didn't really have like a life outside of what mm-hmm. we saw because everything revolved around like what you were saying, you know how other people were perceiving her in her life, which is basically just ballet and
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, you know trying to please her mom and things like that. So it just it seemed really yeah like sad, like yeah. bad for her. She's just in this loop of what she doesn't want to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think um, in our Breaking Bad episode, we talked about the character. A Marie for, like, quite a while and how one of the only, like, character traits that she has um, throughout the show is that she's a kleptomaniac Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: that's, like, one of her, um, like, distinctive personality, like, quirks, I guess, and how, you know, that kind of ties back because there's, like, this misconception that women have, like, a natural urge to be, like, kleptomaniacs because they were gatherers, like... (laughs) (laughs) When they were adapting in society I
1: definitely used to believe that I like (laughs) read it on like Twitter And I went this makes so much sense. And, like, I went through, like, a good phase where I would, like, tell people that. And I'd be like, yeah, this is a real thing. And then I, then I like, looked into it more and I was like, wait,
0: this was made up. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I think it's, like, interesting that that's, like, one of the ways that she... That's, like, one of the things that she does in her private time. And -hmm. that's, like, one of the ways that she's able to, like, feel this escape and kind of relate to other women around her, you know? Yeah. She's able to take these things from other women so that she can feel closer to them or more connected and kind of thrive in their image of perfection. Um, Yeah, I just think that that specifically is really interesting. No, that is interesting. Um, Another thing I do want to say about Nina, and I get... It's just, like, hard to relate to her as a character... Because there's not much there. There
1: really isn't. And I
0: wish there was. Like, there were three men in this... There were three writers in this movie. They could have, like, given her a hobby outside of ballet. Yeah,
1: she doesn't even have, like, a job that we know of.
0: I mean, that is her job. Like, ballet is is her her job. job. But, like, I don't know. Like, show her, like... Having like a train collection or something, a you know, train collection. like show her doing like little paint by numbers shit.
1: But that, I guess that's kind of the thing. She doesn't really get have her own life because of all these people constantly abusing her. I mean, she has no sense of identity.
0: Yeah, I guess so. But do I really want to use that to just like excuse bad writing? <laughs> no, it's that's like, true. It's like I could, but like there's just like not much of her character other than she does ballet and I would just like love to see something more or even like her struggling with like her sexuality or like with Mm -hmm. her mental illness like those are all things that could be that could like add depth to her character and like actually add another layer but they just don't do that
2: yeah there wasn't much nuance it was just like this is who she is and she doesn't have very much depth in terms of like outside of ballet and her psychological issues. Yeah. yeah.
1: That. And speaking of her psychological issues, she sees things, very gruesome things. Yeah. Um, we see this at the beginning of the movie where um, it's usually small things. Usually it's like her face, but on someone else's head just for like a few seconds. Um, but however, as it gets more in depth into the movie, we see that this kind of psychosis that she's in is splitting her into her own version of the black swan. So like in the performance they're doing, there's the white swan and there's the black swan. Uh, The white represents like the good and innocence while the black represents like the evil twin. So basically it's like the regular swan has a evil twin that's this black swan. And throughout, like, the middle, towards the end, Nina's mental state is fighting over which kind of, like, swan controls her life. Mm -hmm. Um, And she literally sees her morphing into this black swan. Um, We see, (laughs) like, at one point, like, she visualizes wings, her arms turning into wings. She's got these really bad scratches on her back, and even she makes she hallucinates a sex scene originally with lily Woo. then to herself then with herself yeah which
0: is very complex
1: and interesting
0: and um i mean each of the characters or each of the central characters do kind of represent these characters in black swan like it's very obvious that like lily represents the white swan Or not Lily. Nina represents the white swan, and then Nina is... Wait, what? No, Nina is the white swan, (laughs) and Lily is the black swan. There we go. Perfect. And not to, like, bring up the cycle of abuse again, but I think it's, like, really interesting how the play Swan Lake ends with the white swan or the swan queen um, killing herself and how in the beginning of the movie we see... Um, Winona Ryder's character Beth literally attempt to kill herself after not being the white swan anymore, after being the swan queen and then the movie ends with Nina doing the same exact thing. So literally just repeating this cycle. That is is very true and very insightful.
2: You know, we were talking about it being like a feminine Mm -hmm. movie in the way like Mm -hmm. I definitely like Yeah, obviously, there are a lot of women in it, but I feel like everything in the ballet is pretty masculine, and it's, like, energy, like, they're kind of playing out this director's, like, really weird, competitive, like, hierarchical, like, mindset, and it doesn't really seem, like, at least from my perspective, I don't know, this is just how I, it didn't really seem that, like, not that there's any trait that is specific to either gender, but just, like, There was a lot of competitiveness and greed, and I would more attribute Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that to, like... Masculinity. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I totally get that. Also, because, like, I think kind of all the competitiveness is kind of spawned from the director, and obviously, like, he's, like, directing the show, so it's going to give off whatever he's up to. Whatever his mindset is, that is kind of interesting. Like, is kind of showing his mindset. I never, th- I never thought about that. I have a question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Would this movie be better if it was made by both a man and a woman?
0: Um, would that sex scene be better? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, 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 it <laughs> would.
1: <laughs> um, or specifically a woman who has like some knowledge of the ballet industry. I don't know if Darren Aronofsky has any knowledge of the um, ballet industry, but he's obviously not the black. Uh, he's not a Black Swan ballet dancer. Um, he's a filmmaker, and I just think it's like would be interesting to see like someone who has a bit more knowledge
0: of this. Like, sport. is it a sport ballet? I don't know. I mean, I would consider it a sport, but you know, everyone's Performance different. Performance sport. Exactly. <laughs> um, like, would there be... Because,
1: obviously, I absolutely know nothing about ballet. I know, like, surface-level, like, relevé. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it would be interesting. I think it's movies are always so interesting when they're told by, like, people who know exactly what they're... Like, what everything is about.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, like, accurate it is to, like, being in ballet because, again, I... Like don't know anything yeah, about Yeah, I don't know it. anything either. I do know that like throughout the movie, like whenever I would see Mila Kunis's tattoos, I would be like, she would not have those if she was in ballet. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Exactly, but then I was like, then there's that part where like her tattoos are moving, and I was like, wait, maybe Aronofsky's playing with me, and maybe the tattoos are fake too. Maybe. But I I don't think he's that smart. No <laughs> it um, but.
1: But this kind of goes back to the conversation that me and Talon were having the other day. Um, We were talking about specifically, like, films, like, you brought up Little Miss Sunshine, how it's co-directed by both a man and a woman. And I think that's a brilliant film. I love Little Miss Sunshine. (laughs) And, I don't know, I just thought it was such an interesting conversation, because I never thought about it. But, like, when they're directed by multiple people... Like, I'm sure that's kind of hard for, like, directors, because, you know, directors, they like to be in control of everything. And I can say that, too, because I do like film directing. I'm allowed to say this. Um, But it's just so interesting if, like, there's a good pair or a good group that I think films can come around in a great way and get a full, accurate aspect on everything, what it's like to be a man. this situation what it's like to be a woman in this situation what it's like to be like non-binary person or gay person literally
2: oh I think that thing you were saying about control I think that that's gotta be the biggest part of it and I think it is probably harder for a man director especially if you're somebody like like a notable director where you've made films you have a little bit of a built up Uh ego when it comes to your films and how you work, and like giving up a little con- bit of control to have somebody like co direct it with you to get another perspective. Like, I feel like that just can never hurt, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like keeping a broad perspective on all.
0: That is like, true, or just, that's very true. It can never hurt. Yeah. Especially since like he can, I feel like he can offer quite a bit when talking about the industry um, and how women are treated. But that's going to be from his own biased perspective. Like, it's weird that, or it's not weird, but he will portray that character of the director in this, like, bad light, even though that's the same position himself is in, you know? Mm -hmm. He's not necessarily, like, abusing his actors or whatever. I'm not implying that. However, he's, like, in the same position as that. He still holds all that power, and that's not gonna be the same for a woman in the industry who Mm -hmm. has been through this kind of abuse. Um, Is there anything in specific that you guys think would have been addressed better or like more carefully if it would have been directed by a woman or by a man and a woman? I think some of the petty stuff would get cut out like the petty
1: dialogue between like the girls fighting in like dressing rooms or like those comments like sure some of that was true but some of it was like uh yeah
0: for <laughs> sure
2: i think maybe there would be a little bit more like just overall depth in the characters like not even just uh not even just the women like all the characters i feel like would just have a little bit more substance mm-hmm. and like emotional background of like how they really are. I don't know. It just, it does, it seemed like there was a lot that was kind of left at the surface.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I agree with that. I think one of the things that I find interesting in this movie is mental illness. And specifically, um, I think thinness can play a big part in that. I know that Natalie Portman lost and Mila Kunis both lost like a significant amount of weight to play these roles. And I, There is definitely, like, eating disorders can be very competitive and considering that competition is a huge aspect in this movie, I'm glad that that wasn't addressed specifically because I don't think he would have handled it well, but I would like to see that addressed, especially since it's, like, so heavily implied throughout the movie, Mm -hmm. and I feel like there's a lot that could be done with that, especially since that is, like, a huge problem that occurs to women in the industry, especially women who are in ballet and who are constantly being critiqued on their bodies and how their bodies can move, as well as women who are like being abused. Yeah. I think that would have been something interesting, but-
1: Yeah, I don't think he could tell. I think that would have been to be told by a woman.
0: Exactly, or just someone who's been through that. Um, But yeah, I think that was just like a missed opportunity to like address Mm -hmm. even more rather than just having it just be like one or two lines. Mm -hmm. that's mentioned thank you talon for joining us on this episode
1: i think we had a great discussion
0: i i agree i agree um
1: and thank you to all of our listeners at home woman on woman we post episodes on fridays
0: Yes, if you are loving this, we should be having a Patreon soon. We keep saying that we at the end of every that. episode. <laughs> but we will actually make one. You can also find us on Instagram. Woman on Woman Pat Podcast.
1: Also YouTube. We have a YouTube channel now. It's also called Woman on Woman Podcast. We have a website, NicolePattonFilm.com slash podcast, where you can look at all of our episodes on both Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts as well as suggest anything. If you have a woman you want us to talk about or just some sort of issue <laughs> involving women,
0: let us know. Again, thank you so much Talon for joining and uh, joining us today. We love to have you.
2: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right, thank
0: you for listening.